0: We are covering Parashat Shofetim in the Zera shimshon Harav Shimson Chaim Ben Harav Nachman Michael Nachmeni. Lenu. May his be a Melitz Yosher for all of us. And uh, those that are single, as he promises, should be zokhet to get married. And anyone that needs a refuaah shalema should have a refuaah shalema. And the shiur is dedicated in the um, in the memory of Rafael Ben Munavar, Shemuel Ben Rubi Yehuda, and Emmanuel Ben Monavar. And um, okay, so now the Torah this week, Parashat Shoftim, obviously in the name itself, discusses judges, Shoftim. And it's the placement of judges that is commanded by Hashem to Moshe Rabbeinu, telling Bnei Israel, when you have, you know, whenever you're, even when you're not in Israel, but he's basically telling the Jews that you must, um, you must have courthouses, places of din, bate dinim, where people are going to be judged by judges. And the way the Torah says is a little bit peculiar, at least... To the Zerashim Shon. So the Zerashim Shimshon is going to kind of open it up for us, as he always does every week, as to what the Pasuk actually means, and why it's worded the way it is. So let's go. The Pasuk says, lecha b'chol You shall place judges and officers in all of your gates. By all of your gates, it means in every city. Every city has to have its own courthouse. It has to have a din with judges and officers. Obviously in order to what? To keep and maintain the peace at all times. In fact, having courthouses in a judicial system is one of the Noahide laws. So it's not just the Jews that are obligated to have this. Every society, uh, it's, it's the law that was given to Noah after the flood of Noah, which are a part of the seven Noahide laws. One of which was you have to have judges and you have to have courthouses simply because Or else, as Chachamim tells us, or else people will eat each other alive. If you don't have a system with officers and you don't have judges, no one to answer to, it's chaos and anarchy. So people think to themselves, like, it's common sense. Why do you think there's judges? Why do you think it's Batadirim? It's not common sense, believe me. A lot of these, all of these things, all of them come from, from the Torah. The moral compass of the world has always been the Torah. It might have been lost already in translation for so many years, people don't realize it, but as the Rambam says, the Rambam says if it wasn't because of the Torah, there would be no moral code. Murder would be okay, theft would be okay. Yes, true. The Rambam does say that these things, even if the Torah had not said them, you would know logically not to kill, not to murder, but he also does agree that it's out there today because the Torah said them. We have them, the world knows of it because the Torah says so. The evidence of that is, look, with all the moral code that the Torah has, look at the world. There's so many things that in our eyes might be so wrong, yet in many societies, it's the norm. It's completely the norm, and in some societies, it could be better than norm. It's a good thing to do, right? Like um, what example can we bring? Um one of the things that unfortunately, unfortunately, happens is um, I don't even know any other name for it, but pulling the plug in hospitals, <clears throat> right? Which not too many years ago, that was looked at as, an, as, as, as horrific as it is. But today's day and age, it's not only looked upon as something OK, it's looked upon as a good deed. It's looked upon as being merciful. Doing that, you're having mercy on the counterpart. It's it's the world we live in. Just the way it's it's what lenses you look at things. So he says, mishpat You shall appoint judges and officers so that you should um, judge the nation, the people. Mishpat judge righteous judgment." Mishpat tzedek translated literally is righteous judgment, meaning to pass um, um, clean, cut, good judgment, fair justice. Now he says we have to understand, it should have actually said, Look at the Paso. It says, You shall place for yourself judges and op- officers in all of your gates, in all of your cities, so that what? So that they shall judge the nation a fair judgment. It should really say, so they shall judge you. It started with, place for yourself judges. So it should say, in order so they shall judge you fairly. But it all of a sudden changes and says, instead of saying they shall judge you, it says, place judges for yourselves, so that they should judge the nation. Something changed. Why the change in wording? Clear? That's question number one. Ve'odi he says a second question. Also something that kind of feels out of place. It says, et ha'am mishpat, which is something extra here. lomar, it should have just said, beshafetu tzedek. Why does it say, and they shall judge the nation, a righteous judgment? You already told me that you want me to place judges. I know wh- where you mean place judges. You said in all your gates, right? And wh- who are they going to judge? The fish? They're going to judge the people. So why do I need, so they shall judge the people, a fair judgment? So it should just say, Tzedek, they shall judge righteously. Set up judges so that they shall judge righteously. Oh, and then it says. Added to that, he says, "The etmi ishpetu, Who are they going to judge if it's not the nation? Why are you telling me again? ha'am, they shall judge the nation. Who else are they going to judge? You're telling me to place judges. Who else would they judge? Right? Right? Now, again, he says, Now, if you're telling me that they shall judge fairly. Right? But you're also telling me that they shall judge. But you've already told me that they should be judges. What do judges do? They judge. You don't have to repeat again and say they shall judge again. What else are they going to do? That's their job. Number Number four, really. And if they don't judge justly, I mean, really, Hashem, do you have to tell me, set up judges so that they shall judge justly? I wouldn't know that I should place judges. To the, I, what am I going to do? I'm going to go and look for judges that are going to be crooked and judge people crookedly and not justly? doesn't make sense. So why do I need you to tell me place judges so that they shall judge you justly? Oh, thank you for telling me that. Or else I would have thought that I'm going to place judges that are going to judge people unjustly. So now he's gonna go into the answer and we're gonna answer a few things at the same time. Thank you. Now this this for me was very interesting, the way that the Zerashim Shon words this. We would have never thought of it. It was very interesting to me. It says Lomar, we can answer. Shelif Amim Hadayan, Eno Shofet Sedek, because there comes times where the judges Don't actually judge justly. Now he's not saying that it's a bad thing. He's saying no. He's saying quite the opposite. He's saying there will come times that the judge actually has to judge unjustly. He needs to do certain things that are not by the law book. And that's not only okay, it needs to be this way. And the Torah is telling us there's going to be opportunities where you're going to have to kind of Go out of the line and do things that might look not okay. In order so that you could find what? Mishpat Tzedek. That true judgment. In order for you to be just, sometimes you need to go out of the line. You need to look, you kind of got to think outside of the box in order to get to that purpose that you want, which is Mishpat Tzedek. True judgment. And he says, how so? He says like, for instance, the case of... Mari bar Asi, Mari bar Isaac. sorry. Mari bar Isaac is in the Gemara in Baba Metziah. The Gemara brings a story of an individual called Mari. Mari um, had, his, his father had passed away and he got all the, um, whatchamacallit, his father's um, um, inheritance had come to him as the only son comes out of, from a far land, somebody that it happened to actually actually be his brother and said, Hi, I'm here. I came to claim my part of the inheritance. Mari looks at this guy and goes, Who? Who are you? He says, What do you mean? I'm your, I'm your brother. Like, I might look a little different, but like, you, you can tell I'm your brother. Right? Like, it's kind of like the story of Yosef and his brothers. They, he recognized them but they didn't recognize him so he was like what are you talking about who who are you he says what do you mean I'm your brother I'm here to get my part of the you know he says I don't know you never heard of you I never even had a brother so they go to court whose court do they go to the court of Ravchista which was Ravchista was one of the greatest sage of the time they go to the court this is the time of the Talmud they go to the court of Ravchista what does Ravchista say Naturally, he says, okay, he looks at this guy who came from out of town. He says, "Zilat ay You should go and bring witnesses that will say that you are his brother. If you bring witnesses, then, and they claim that you are truly his brother, then you can get part of the Yerusha, part of the inheritance. Why? Because naturally, in the din of Torah, when it comes to monetary disputes, we have a general law, general rule in the Torah, which is hamotsi Michavero alav haraya. Anytime you want to claim money from somebody else, the burden of proof is on you. If you come and say, hey, you owe me $10,000, you don't have a contract or whatever it is, he doesn't have to prove to you that he doesn't owe you $10,000, you have to prove that he owes you $10,000. He doesn't have to move a finger. Hey, I'm like, sure, I owe you 10,000 dollars. Okay, sure. When you bring proof, we'll talk about it, right? So naturally, Rav Khista says, Someone that wants to take something from another person, you have, you have the burden of proof. So bring the proof. However, he says to him, So he turns to Rav Khista and he says, See, the thing is, I do have witnesses. But Mari, my brother, is a guy with connections He's very powerful And he actually was The witnesses that I have are too afraid to come forward and and testify So they're not going to come and testify Because he's too powerful, he's got too many connections with too many people His name is Tony And he's got friends in high places And I can't I've tried, but they ain't gonna come through. Um, they're not gonna come through. What does Rav Chista do? Rav Chista turns to Mari, right? The guy with the connections, Tony. And he says to him, You need to bring witnesses that he is not your brother and that you don't owe him any money. If you don't, he's gonna take half your share. Mari looks at the rabbi and goes, Rabbi. <laughs> This is second grade, first grade. Everybody knows th- this is not how you pass de- this is not how you pass judgment. I'm supposed to prove that I don't owe him money, or else I'm going to lose money. He's supposed to prove that I owe him money. Rav Chista and the Gemara says turns to Mari and says, "Yes." In a normal situation, you would be right. In a normal situation, yes, he would have to bring evidence. He would have to bring witnesses that he doesn't owe you, that you owe him money. However, when dealing with crooked people like yourself, you need to bring proof that he's not your brother. Because the witnesses are afraid. And in fact, in that case of the Gemara, people do come forward from the side, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, from the side of Mari, and they testify against him, saying, yeah, you know what? It's too much. Yes, it is his brother. We actually know it's his brother. We're not going to keep quiet anymore. He does owe the money to this guy. And he actually had to give him half his Yerushah, half of the inheritance. Then there was land, and he he took half of the land. And you had a very, very upset Mari. Right? So Mari lost a lot of money in that deal. But that's a different situation. However, we see here that Zerashimshon is telling us from the Gemara, there comes a time... That the judge actually has to pass judgment, which you don't do. You can't ask someone to prove their innocence when there's no proof of their guilt anywhere. There's no contract, nothing. What are you going to ask me? P- prove your innocence or you'll be guilty. For what? Why do I have to come and prove anything? But we see that in the Gemara, he did it. Why? Because it was a situation where Chista knew, uh, Rab- knew something's wrong here. People are afraid of this guy. So they're not going to be improved. So when, you're, when you have a situation like that, how am I supposed to do it? There were situations even in the Tehama of where, see, everything in Judaism, when it comes to court cases and, and, and cases of dispute, everything is very, very technical. So if you don't have enough evidence, especially we Jews that we don't, when it comes to like high cases, we don't go by circumstantial evidence. Can't prove anybody's guilt with that. Right, you need meat and potatoes. You need proof. And sometimes you know the guy is guilty. He says, like he said things that you know he's guilty. Let's say in certain cases, not in monetary cases because a lot of monetary cases are different. certain cases you you could have, you could have one witness that has witnessed something. The other witness is halfway but you can't really count, count his evidence for whatever reason. So you know the guy is guilty, but you can't do anything to him. In a case of monetary disputes, also, when you know the guy is guilty, but you can't take the money from him, there's no way to do it. You don't have enough of the power to take the money. So what did they do? The Chachamim took the power into their own hands, and they said, okay, we can't, we can't make the guy pay up. What we can do is, they, they wouldn't pass judgment on him, they would pass judgment on everybody else in town. What would that judgment be? You can't work with this guy ever again. No business dealings. You don't even deliver water to his home. Nothing. We can't make you do anything, but we can ask everybody else, as the Chachamim, how to react to you. This would put pressure on the guy to come forward and come clean, right? Yes, we don't have enough evidence, but you think you're just gonna get away with taking people's money because you you were good at it, because you had the perfect crime? Okay, fine. You had the perfect crime. We can't do anything to you. But what we're going to do is make sure your life becomes miserable enough for you to come clean. People are not going to work with you. They're not going to do business with you. They're not going to do any deals with you. Shiduchim, forget about it. Your daughter, your brother, your... Everybody's going to... Torshi at home. They're going to become pickled (laughs) in jars until you come clean. And that's what would happen. Now... Is that something that was kind of written anywhere, that this is how you do judgment? No. It wasn't. But from this Pasuk, the Zerah Shon says, from here we see there are times, there are things that chachamim need to do in order to bring tzedek. Without it, you're not going to get to tzedek. You're not going to get to righteousness. You're not going to have that just thing. What are you going to do? You're going to have people walking around the streets going, look, I was innocent, did nothing wrong. This guy has taken the guy's money, and he's innocent, he's done nothing wrong, and he lost. Would that be fair? Because the guy did the perfect crime? Would that be fair because he has all the evidence on his side? No. Which happens on a daily basis in regular courts. Now, in evidence, the, the guy takes somebody's money and all of their life savings and gets away with it. And they were, why? Because they were able to. There's no proof, there's no evidence, and... Uh, and then a lot of times what happens is the poor guy on the other side doesn't even have enough money to like hire lawyers. The lawyers are going to cost more because if they lose the case, they lost even more money, so they have to give up. In Judaism, that's what the Zerashim Shimshon is telling us. Zerashim Shon says that Mishpat Tzedek, a just system, has to work in a way where justice is actually served. And sometimes, in order for that justice to be served, Chachamim had to use Chuchma, their wisdom, onto how to get justice to be truly served. And sometimes, in order to get that justice be served, you needed to kind of look outside the box. I don't want to say using trickery and stuff. Chas it's not. It's using different things that are not involved, let's say, in the book of law. Kind of thinking out of the box how am I going to get this guy? Even though he's going to look at me like Mari did and said, this is not, hold on a second, I wasn't ready for this. I learned, so I thought I won the case. So, Rav looks at him and goes, <laughs> no. See, with you, I'm going to do the exact opposite. I. it's not in the law book. Now it is. For you, that's the law. And he says, and this is why the pasuk says, et Listen to this says, that's why. We said, why does it say, you shall set up judges for you so that they shall judge the nation, Ha'am. It should say, so that they shall judge you. Listen to this, guys. So he says, that's why it says Ha'am and it doesn't say you. Why? Ha'am has a different meaning. It says, in Parashat Bamidbar, in, sorry, in Sefer Bamidbar, Yud Aleph, Pasuk Aleph, it says, this was when the Jews were complaining to Moshe Rabbeinu for one of the things that we complained to him. Uh, you know, kind of like, we, were, we didn't complain much. Jews don't complain. But, you know, except when it comes to food at weddings. That's just open season for complaints, always. But the Jews were complaining, we were complaining to Moshe Rabbeinu and it says, And the nation was like complainers. Rashi over there says, listen to Rashi. Rashi says, whenever the Torah uses the word Ha'am, the nation, the Kavana is directed towards Resha'im Shabinahem. These are the wicked ones of Am Israel. Whenever the, you, the the word Haam is used, the nation, it's talking about the Rasha'im. It's talking about the wicked ones. Whenever the Torah uses the word Ami, my nation. It's talking about the tzaddikim and the righteous, those people that Hashem really wants, so to speak, on Hashem's side. Ha'am, even the ones, when when the Jews came out of Egypt, we had other people come out of Egypt also, non-Jews, Egyptians. They left out of fear or whatever it was. right? They're referred to as Ha'am. They were the same people that made the Jews worship the golden calf. It was the Ha'am. It mentions Ha'am there over and over. That's how we know it's mapped out for us. Who was it really that was responsible for the Golden Calf? It was, it was the of Rav. Those that were not really a part of the Jewish nation that came out. They were still linked to their idolatry. They still wanted their, the way it was back at home. And we had so much troubles because of them. Right? They were the Ha'am. So Rashi gives us a clue here. Anytime it says Ha'am, it's talking the Rasha'im. So now, Ha'am Mishpat Tzedek. Why am I telling you? Because you have two jobs. One is to appoint judges to judge everybody and judge yourselves and make sure to do the right judgment. Number two is, when you're doing judgment, you're going to be dealing with crooked people. You're going to be dealing with connected people, mafia people that think that the world is theirs. And they can just take everybody for a ride and steal people's money and take them for their life savings. That's the Ha'am. So the Torah is saying, Veshafetu Ha'am Mishpat Tzedek. Know who you're dealing with. When you're dealing with Ha'am, you're going to use your Chochmah. You're going to kind of do some Mishpat judgment that might not be in the law book. But that's up to you how you're going to deal with them. So the Torah, the Zerashim Shonah is saying the Torah is making judges ready Telling Moshe Rabbeinu, you have to know, the nation has to know who to pick to be the judges. They can't be just the regular people. They need to be people that are very, very not smart. See, Shlomo HaMelech makes a difference. The, the Gaon Mivilna, in his commentary to Mishlei of Shlomo HaMelech, says that Shlomo HaMelech differentiates between Chokhmah, Bina, and De'a, which all of them mean knowledge or wisdom. However, the Gaum says, you know what Chokhmah is? Chokhmah is when a person has enough wisdom so that in every situation, they can apply another thing in every different, in different situations, they can apply different things with their own mind. Meaning they don't need any law book as to what do I need to do here. Chokhmah means you have become wise enough so that the law book is here. You don't need any mathematical equations to solve any problems. You already know, in this situation, this is how I'm going to act. In this situation, this is okay. Nothing is black and white. You belong, so to speak, in the gray area at all times, knowing when to do, what to do, and how to do. That's how our Chachamim are. Rabobad Yosef Zatzal is famous for... Making decisions like that in the craziest situations, when you know ah oh, you're dealing with a chacham, you're dealing with someone that actually has chokhmah. He knows when to do what to do. I read an article in a, in the a, a, a magazine, Nothing like you know after Rabu Vadi and never forget this. This stuck with me. Um, about Rabu Vadi Yosef, and the person that wrote the article wrote it about themselves. When he was a kid. He said he remembered that Rabbi Yosef when he was younger came to the US and he knew that he was visiting and his father had promised him that when Rabbi comes he's going to take him to what, the class that he's going to give. The Shi'ur that he's going to give. Imagine being able to go to a class of the chief Rabbi of Israel even at that time. Rabbi Yosef was you know I had one I had one zikhot, to sit 20 feet away from him in front of him, and I still remember it crystal clear. You know, when you're sitting next to royalty, literally. But he was so enough, so you, could, you could tell he was just... So he says, but what happened was, his father at the time had some kind of business trip or something, he had to go, he couldn't take him. And he was brokenhearted. He was nine years old. It's like, I remember I was brokenhearted. I really wanted to go to the class, sit with in front of Rabbi Vaadia. I wanted to hear of Vaadiya, you know, the, the giant. So his mother agrees to take him. Now they were like a, you know, they were, they, were, they were a traditional family, Sefaradi, traditional, right? The mother agrees to take him, right? But then when they get there, they realize, oh, the entire thing is for men. Everyone's men, it wasn't even for women. So like his father was supposed to take him, now his mother's taking him, what is she going to do? As they're standing by the door, right, Rabobadiyah comes with his entourage, right, and they're going through to the hall, and he says, Rabobadiyah saw me and my mother, and looked at me, and he smiled at me, and he saw me, he was happy to see a young boy by the door with his mother, he smiled with a nice smile, and he went in. Now we're stuck at the door, not knowing what to do. There was no, there was no mechitza. There was no, is that, There was no section for women. We were all there together. I, I don't know what. I wanted to go in. My mother was. It's awkward, right? We're standing there. I don't know how long he stood there. All of a sudden, you would, you would never imagine what happens. Rabbi Vali Yosef, the chief rabbi of Israel, comes out of the hall himself. A huge hall. Comes out of the hall. And he says, why are you two standing outside? Follow me. He says, he took my mother and I. He told the entire front row to empty. He made the entire front row to empty out. Everyone go back so that my mother and myself can sit in the front row. And if I remember correctly, he said, his mother was wearing jeans. And I think a t-shirt or something. Do you understand? And he said, I never forget how he started his lecture by saying, praiseworthy is a woman that brings her child to listen to Torah. That's chokhmah. To know in what situation what you need to do. It's not always, I would never make that decision, someone like me. It's not a decision to be made by us. I was <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you know, a hall filled with men, you're gonna bring a woman, in, you know, but it's Ravavadya. His chokhmah knew that this child, he's going to go home broken hearted, he's standing by the door, he wants to listen to Torah. What am I going to do? Because there's no mechitza, it's all men, I'm not. No, what I'm going to do is, instantly, you empty out a row, mother sits with the baby, with, with, the, with the boy. That's chokhmah. I remember when I read that article, that's exactly what I thought. Because I remember the Gaon Bivilna's explanation of what chokhmah is. What is wisdom? Knowing what to do in every situation without having a rule book in front of you. You can apply everything you have learned. You could think out of the box at all times. So he says, that's why he says. The word ha'am is referring to those people that are wicked, crooked, they have connections, they use their money to get at people, they use their fame or they use fear Who do you need? That's Ha'am. Who do you need to deal with Ha'am, the nation? You're going to need Mishpat Tzedek. You're going to need judgment that's going to look for justice. How? You're going to need to work on that. It's your chokhmah that you're going to use. So he says that's why he uses the word Mishpat again. Judgment. And he says, mishpat alone, without the tzedek, without the justice. Yes, the guy's going to think, hold on a second, this judge is not working the rule book here. He's not supposed to ask me to bring witnesses. Yeah, you need to use only mishpat, just use judgment. No tzedek, tzedek will come afterwards. Justice will come afterwards because you knew how to use your judgment power to judge the situation. And he does, and he does say He says, you have to be very careful In what situations are we really talking about? Situations when you know that the person you are dealing with is crooked And he's using his connections to get out of something You have to be very, very careful You can't just use your judgment whenever you want To go out and about and make decisions on your own And In this case, I'm going to require this guy to do that or no is only if you actually know who you're dealing with is someone like that. Another example of a situation. Everybody knows the story. I mean, if you search this online, you'll see probably hundreds of paintings of the story of King Solomon and the baby. You know how old Shlomo Hamelech was when he made that judgment? Take, throw out a number. 12 he wasn't even bar mitzvah he was 12 years old in fact it was the day after shlomo HaMelech had his famous dream the shekhinah comes to him in a dream hashem comes to him in a vision dream and he says to him i will give you i will grant you one out of the three which one do you want You want peace, wisdom, or riches? You could have either one. He doesn't blink, 12 year old kid. He says, I want chokhmah, I want wisdom, so that I can judge my people wisely. Hashem says, because you have chosen wisely, I will give you all three. You will have peace, you will have chokhmah, and you will have riches. King Solomon was the most famous, the fact that while he was alive, there was peace all over the world. The chokhmah that he had, he could talk to animals. He had so much wisdom that he could understand the language of the animals. And riches. I mean, the, the, the wealth of Shlomo HaMelech is famous. There still talks about chambers that are hidden till today that have never been found of Shlomo HaMelech's wealth. The next day, his wisdom is put to the test. For that reason. Because he's 12 years old. And he needs to grab the trust of his people, not only the people, the greats of the people, the judges of Am Yisrael, who are people in their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, that have been judging people for years, Talmidei Chachamim, people that could literally bring the dead back to life. You have a 12-year-old sitting on the throne, and he's going to be judge of the nation. It's kind of nerve-wracking. I don't know who you are, you're still 12. You have no experience in judging people. On the first day, two women walk in with one baby. What had happened? These two women both had a baby. They were living together. No one should ever know of these things. One of the babies the day before passes away. Right? They were infants. One of them lives. And these two women were coming and each one of them was saying the living baby was theirs. And at night what had happened was, the woman that had lost her baby takes her deceased baby, puts it in the, next to the other woman and takes the live baby for herself. The next morning the other lady says this is not her baby and she says, Ritama. And they come, come to King Solomon. What does King Solomon say? A 12-year-old boy at the time, very famous, everybody knows, he says, okay, so it seems that the only right thing and logical thing to do is, you're saying it's your baby, you're saying it's your baby, so he calls out and goes, he doesn't even do like, here's what we're going to do, he calls out and he says, bring me a sharp sword, so that we can split the baby in two, so fairly, each one could have a half. Where does he base his judgment on? In fact, it's halakha <laughs> in the Gemara. It says, <laughs> If two people are, are both holding on to something they found, and they're both technically the owners of it, what do you do? You have to split it. Now, does it mean split it the actual object or split the money for it? That's a discussion of halacha. But he says, ah, this is the halacha. If it says, if you find something and both of you say it's yours, you split it, so we'll split it. And he actually says, Shlomo Melech says, "This this is why you see God's wisdom. That's why God has created two of everything, two eyes, two ears, two nostrils, so that if you need to split someone, each side gets one. Imagine that. And you have chachamim, Lords, kings sitting there watching as this is unfolding. He's serious, you know? He's actually saying, like, I'm sure, I don't know what they were thinking. Like, what is, this? he's actually saying we have two eyes because if someone gets split so each side can get one, like, did he just sit, did he just, you know, I don't know what they were thinking. No one said a word, by the way, which says a lot, which says a lot about what kingship was, the Davidic dynasty. No one would dare say this is twelve-year-old boy. No, he's David Melech's son. He was appointed by King David. You don't say a word. You follow through. She's unbelievable. So that's what he says. They bring, they bring a sword to split the child. Now I was, by the way, one. I, when I think about the whole two thing, the two eyes, two nostrils. I'm thinking like, but they don't have two hearts. I mean, what do you do? But I think he was just like, obviously manipulating, right? He was talking about the outside. Two arms, two legs. What's on the outside? I don't think they had, I, wanted, I was about to say, I don't think they had x-rays those days, but they did. Ask me about it later. They actually did have x-rays. But, um, um, so they bring a sword. What happens next? One mother says, the, the, the first lady says, fine, I agree 100%. Let's do it. And the other one says, no, 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 let her have it. Let her have it, it's her baby, let her have it. To which Sloma Amalek says, she is the real mother and she is not. Because she wants. Now to you it makes sense, obviously. Yes, the real mother would want the baby to be alive. What is the chokhmah behind that? Story goes as follows. These two ladies were a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law. Both had a child at the same time. It happens, believe it or not, even today it happens Young mother-in-laws with a young daughter-in-law They both could have a baby at the same time They had a baby at the same time They were living together The the child of the daughter-in-law passes away And This happens After her husband had also passed away So now The child of the mother-in-law Is still alive We have a a rule in the Torah We have a law called Yibum You guys know what Yibum is? When a woman Her husband passes away without leaving children She falls for what we call She falls for Yibum to the next of kin So to speak Which in this case would be the child of the mother-in-law Meaning the, in, a, in a regular case, what is Yibum? In a regular case is you have a woman, she's married to a husband. The husband passes away without leaving any children. The husband has a brother. That brother has to marry her and make a family with her in the name of the deceased brother to have children. That's called Yibum. We don't do Yibum these days. We do what's called Barmina al no one should ever know if it ever happens what they do is khalitsah. Khalitsa is a type of a divorce that separates the connection of the yavam and the yavama, which is the woman and the man. So now in this situation, her yibum would fall to the son of the mother-in-law, the other son, which is technically her brother-in-law. Right? But she has to wait 13 years before there's an answer as to whether he's going to marry her or he's going to divorce her. She didn't want to wait 13 years. She'd rather not have to wait. She wanted to get married. So she, in a spur of moment, she takes the child, her brother-in-law, right? So so, so that she can say that she has a child, so that she doesn't have to wait for Yum. so she can go get married with someone else. Which was Asur anyway, she's not allowed to marry anyone else until she does Khalidzah. She's technically According to the Torah, she's like a married woman. She has a connection with that Yavam. Until the divorce happens, which she has to turn 13 for, or whatnot. The Halakhas are very, very deep and very sensitive. We're not going to get into that part of it. That's why Shlomo HaMelech realized this. And said, one thing that will free her from her connection is if this child dies too. So if I do anything or say anything that will jeopardize this child's life, she'll be for it. And I'll prove it. So he says, let's split the child in half, half for this mother, half for that mother, so everyone's happy. She all of a sudden agrees. You know why she agreed? Not because she thought she's going to get a half a child or whatever, or she was jealous and said, ah, no, she won't have, and she won't have, so they're both, so they both don't have a, it was jealousy. No. She was just happy that this child would not exist. And if this child doesn't exist either, she's free to marry someone else. That was the chokhmah of Shlomo HaMelech. That was the first time that Shlomo HaMelech proved to the nation and the elders of the nation that he's not a 12-year-old boy. He is King Solomon at age 12. How did he do it? That's chokhmah. That's Mishpat Tzedek. That's a Shofet that knows how to deal with every situation. Now, in that situation, would any Dayan, any judge in the right mind think he's making the right decision? If it was in our days, the people would jump in and go, this guy's crazy, put, on, put him in chains and take him out. You know, he's asking the mother to like, uh, spill it, Are you crazy, two eyes, eat, right? But his chokhmah was that he was using it in order to bring out the truth. And that's what the Zerah is saying. Zerah is saying, the Torah is telling us, Moshe Rabbeinu was telling Bnei Israel, when you choose judges, you need to choose people that have the Chokhmah, to be able to use that Chokhmah in every situation differently, in order to get to justice. And sometimes in order to get to justice, you need to do Mishpat without justice. You need to do a judgment quote-unquote, Without the justice in it yet, which was like Shlomo Melech, where's the justice in killing a chid? No justice in that. But in order to get to the end game, which was finally finding justice, it it needed to look real, needed to sound real. And that's how it did it. May Hashem, this time of year, tomorrow we start salichot. Right? We're coming to the day of judgment, Bezrat Hashem, on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, day of selichot. day of forgiveness. We want Hakadosh Hu We have to understand where is all this Chokhmah coming from? Chokhmah comes from Hashem, which means if Shlomo Amalek had this kind of Chokhmah, how much Chokhmah does Hashem have? Lots. We go throughout our lives bringing so many excuses for the things that we do, so many excuses. But who are we fooling? We're only fooling ourselves. Because at the end of the day, there is no way that Hashem gets fooled by any of our actions. If we feel that after 120 years, we're going to go up there and we're going to have this excuse, and that excuse, we're going to have nothing. Because all the games that we have put together in our minds, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will use the same kind of mishpat. HaKhamim tell us that up there also, Hashem plays our game. He beats us in our own game. Rabbis tell us that when Hashem uh, Hashem's going to judge a person after 120 years, it's not going to be direct. You know? It's going to be like, hey, you know, uh, so um, you like, for instance, you like watching the World Cup? You, you like the World Cup Series, huh? I'm sorry. Yeah, I love the World Cup. I see you just smiling like, oh, I can't wait for the next one to come. <laughs> you like the World Cup Series. You know, that year that was in like uh, so-and-so country. You had to wake up like, kudos to you. How did it feel? Like, yeah, it felt amazing waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning with my friends, drinking beer, watching the game, even though, because it's international. Sometimes you got to wake up early because it's daytime over there. And I was going to say, that's, that's so funny because I remember Slichot was at 6 30 and not once. Not once did I. Do I remember? Yeah, I remember correctly. And they were giving breakfast too and you still didn't go to Slichot. But waking up for the World Cup series, so you said it was fun. It was fun. I wrote that down. Next. Right? It's very easy. We don't see it that way, but this is how we have to think. The decisions that we make in our lives, we have to think: these, How are these decisions going to make any changes for our judgment for our Kadosh Baruch Hu? We're not going to have excuses. Oh, I didn't have the, I didn't have time for this. I didn't have time for that. You're right. Time is very scarce. But I do remember, you did this. You did that. You did. You found time for all those things. How come you didn't find time for this? What happened there? What happened here? By the way, the example I gave for the World Cup series was a real example. You should know. That was an example that was given. To me, I, it, till today, it has affected me. It was given to me by a friend of mine. When I asked him, I was never the type. I wouldn't, I wouldn't wake up for a World Cup. I wouldn't care less. The next day, I'll just watch the main parts of it and be like, ah, so-and-so won. I didn't care that much, you know. But I had a friend of mine that had friends that would wake up early and they would get together, beer, every night. It was like, ah, we're watching at 3 uh, o'clock in the morning. And he didn't go. So I asked him one time, I said, hey, what do you, why don't you, like, why don't you go? I never thought about it because I wouldn't go. But I wanted to know what his reason is because he was like, all of his friends were like really into it. He's like, you know, I thought about it. And I thought, I don't, a lot of times, I don't go to even shacharit in the mornings to shul. I pray at home. So I thought, if I wake up to watch a soccer game that early, oh boy. Hashem's going to be like, you woke up for soccer? You didn't wake up for shacharit? He's like, I couldn't bear the guilt? So I decided I'm not doing it? No, I'm not going to shul, but I'm not watching soccer 4 o'clock in the morning either. At least I could say, hey, <laughs> I didn't do it. it. True story. It really affected me. It really affected Because it truly is like that. Hashem should help us in these times to really look within, find the things that we want to change. It's elul. This is the time to do it. And to use our judgment, to use as much khukhmah as we can to be able to judge ourselves correctly so that we'll be able to find justice within ourselves and fix the things that really need fixing. So that we'll be, you know, by Yom Kippur, we could come to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and say, I had 40 days, I'm ready. Baruch Hu Nunai Le'Aulam, Amen VeAmen.